0: Um, Chris and I are supposed to speak together uh, today um, But then he decided to go and have a foot surgery on Thursday And then told me Well, he didn't tell me I offered that, okay um, It's important that you rest So I'm happy to take this on myself But as soon as I said that I was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that Um, I must confess in the last three, four days I've been quite envious of him He's just been lying in bed watching movies, playing computer games, reading and uh, we are bringing food and water to him like room service and like you know work has been really busy because it's December and I have to go to work and then housework, when I come back there's kids to drive around and then still have to prepare this message and then he even has time lying on the bed talking to our home group about where to get cheap lobsters while I was laying away downstairs preparing this message (laughs) Um, There must have been at least 20 times when I felt like telling him, Chris, can you just like preach this because, you know, it's so easy for you, but it's so hard for me. And then then God reminded me of our anchor verse today, Philippians 2 verse 3, if I can have the slide up. Okay, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves okay i'm gonna pray and then i'm gonna get myself ready with my laptop and i forgot to do that before (sighs) father i just want to commit myself fully to you lord god in humility totally dependent on you father I pray, Father God, that it will not be my wisdom, Father God, that is um, being spoken forth today, because that will fall to the ground. But it will be your wisdom, your revelation, your word, Father God, because that has the power to go forth and transform lives, to go forth and do what it has set out to achieve, Father. Lord, help us, Lord God, to fix our eyes on you and you alone, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. amen. Okay. Just give me a second. Do you like my new laptop? I love the color. Okay, so when we count others as more significant than ourselves, um, we esteem others better and we will naturally have more concerns for their needs and well-being. So I was like, when this is battle in my head, battle of voices, going, oh, should I ask Chris to go speak? Or, oh, well, actually he needs rest. I decided to go, oh, okay, you know what? Esteem others as higher than ourselves and have greater concern for his well-being because he actually really needed rest. Um. (laughs) Speaking of humility, you know, the topic actually um, creates quite a conundrum for the speaker because when you feel like, yeah, yeah, you know what, you have humility, then you probably don't. So, um, so even when I'm speaking to you all, it's also a message uh, for myself as well. Because even in the preparation, um, God has really convicted me about some of the things, um, the way I've conducted myself that, that, that is not humble. That I, There's room for me to grow in humility. Um, okay, let's set the context. This series... Uh, follows on after the kickstart series. Um, One of the things we are kickstarting is meeting in person. And majority of us already live in social bubbles anyway. But during the lockdown, that bubble became significantly smaller, right? We're mostly seeing only our immediate family. Um, And then most of our interactions happen over social media and uh, our devices. And then the algorithm that um, social media algorithms further constrict that bubble, right? So when you are interested in something and then you search something and then a certain topic and then the social media's algorithm kind of like then send you feeds on the things that you're already interested in and then it further solidifies our views. Um, now that we're meeting in person, so when we are in lockdown, we are like brewing and marinating in whatever... Um, uh, social bubble that we are in and now that we're meeting in person we find that you know we exude that flavor that we've been marinating ourselves in for example when we first met back in person last week there were a lot of like chats and discussions and conversations about food and gardening right there are a lot of people who have taken a keener interest in in cooking and gardening during the lockdown in my home group, there were a lot of chats on uh, losing weight and keto diet, um, <laughs> and J.V. was like really excited and really happy for him, and um, you know, really encouraged by what he has uh, achieved for the sake of his health. Um, you know, most of these conversations are quite positive and neutral, but sometimes, um, in our chat interactions, divisive topics come up. Topics are um, polarizing. Yeah, and we are a whole household of faith. It's just like in your own family. It's okay to talk about difficult conversations. It's okay to have um, topics that is divisive. right? We can't just talk about nice things and then everything that is, that is divisive or have, people have different opinions, we sweep it under the carpet. That's not how um, a healthy, godly household of faith functions. So it's okay to have um, that kind of conversations. Um, but what we want to do is that Um, Coming back As a household of faith um, Well, let me just rewind a little bit Household of faith um, Chris got household of faith um, From transforming lives through Christ-centered relationships So we are like a big um, family Of God, big household of faith If you've been in our church for some time You know that the core strength Of our um, church Is relationships so in our coming back together, um, if we're kickstarting our relationships, and if our relationships are not strong, it's very easy for an enemy to come and attack that particular strength of ours and derail um, what God has got planned for us as a whole body of Christ in unity. So as we kickstart meeting in person, Chris and I have wanted to speak um, on the topic of humility being the guiding disposition in our interactions with one another. But firstly, let's look at in person. Galatians 2, verse 20 says, We have been crucified um, with Christ. It is not us who live, but, but Christ lives in us. The lives we need, uh, the, ni- the lives we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in Christ Jesus who loved us and gave himself up for us. When we are born again, we become so closely attached to him that we die with him, and he begins to live in us. The sinful us died and replaced by the resurrected Christ in us. We will continue to live in the flesh, of course, um, but we are not directed anymore by our sinful desires. Romans 8.14 says, The sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit, um, and our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6. Now, why I say all of that, is because we carry the presence of God. Yeah? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead resides in us. So when we come back to meet in person, when we interact with one another, Jesus is in person through us. Um, we are ambassadors of Christ. The Bible encourages us, all of us, young and old, to clothe ourselves with humility and to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of his name. Now, um, just a quick analogy. Um, Grace got a detention. She's not here so I can you know, talk about her. <laughs> she got a detention <laughs> for wearing um, this wrong school uniform to school. Yeah? Um, you know, even secular organizations understand the importance of representing their values um, and their beliefs when they um, interact with other people or when they go to school. But for for them, it is just an external thing. Yeah, you put on. But for us, we are ambassadors of uh, for Christ and we clothe ourselves in humility. Now, that is not just external things. Yes, we've got to put it on, but it has to as well come from within. It is a whole being. So when I said that statement, we are ambassadors for Christ, and the Bible encourages us to clothe ourselves with humility and conduct ourselves in the manner worthy of the Lord. Um, when I said that statement, some of us might quickly um, think of, like someone, you know, when I said that, some of you may think, you can, can very quickly imagine a person that you feel like, oh yeah, you know what, that person can do more of this. That person can um, clothe herself or himself with humility, right? But I just want us to pause. If, if that's any one of us here, just take a pause, humor me, um, take that thought captive and lay that thought down at the feet of Jesus because this message is not for the other person. Like I said, this message is for me too. It's not just for you guys. And when you hear it, that person is not for the other person you're thinking about who should be doing this. It's it's for us. It's for us. So a good question to ask ourselves is, how shall we then conduct ourselves when we interact with others so that um, they, are en- they are encountering as much of Jesus as possible? And I may add that, um, I may add regardless of their conduct. So, we clothe ourselves with humility. We are ambassadors for Christ. We conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord regardless of what the others um, are like, what, what, what their attitudes, what the, their behaviors are like. Okay? I just want to set that um, context. Okay. Good. Oh, it's going to be a short message. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Oh, no, 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 don't clap, I'm speaking about humility. <laughs> um, what is humility? You know, when we hear the word humility, um, some of us may think of doormat, yeah? Low self-esteem, curbing our own strengths or achievements. No, but that's not humility. It is false humility when we intentionally devalue ourselves or our achievements or flatter others in order to appear humble. Some of us may uh, envision when we hear the word humility as um, soft-spoken, tender, and nice. It can be that, but not always. Neither is humility devoid of any form of anger. Jesus is humble, yeah? Yet when he saw the temple being defiled into a den of thieves, he drove out the people and overturned the tables of the money changers and the pigeon vendors. His humility did not constrain him from acting out in righteous anger. He did not go to them and say, Hey, excuse me, you know, you can't do this. And then, no, he didn't. He just went in and he drove them out and overturned it because he's acting out of righteous anger. He even called some religious leaders, brood of vipers and sons of the devil. <laughs> so what is humility if it's not that nice, cuddly, soft pillow, Right? Um, John Dixon, can I have the slide up? John Dixon, a well-respected Australian Christian author, historian, minister, and speaker, defined humility in in his book, Humilitas, as humility is a noble choice to forego our status, deploy our resources, and use our influence. For who? Right? For the good of others before ourselves. A noble choice as a decision we make. The Bible says in James 4.10, humble ourselves before the Lord. It's a choice that we make. While genuine humility is the work and initiative of God, we play a crucial role in responding to that divine initiative and hope. So our humility, um, like the example that I, I uh, mentioned with you know, clothing ourselves, humility involves our choosing, um, choosing internally what's going on in our heart, in our head. So it's not just external, but as well as external in how we live out our external behaviors and attitudes. So humility is also more about how we treat others than how we think of ourselves. So C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. How do we think of ourselves less? We think of ourselves less by thinking of others more. Humility is also an understanding that we are created in the image of God and that we are saved not by our own merits, but by, the faith, by faith through Christ and that we are recipients of grace. If we can really grab hold of the revelation that we are recipients of grace and allow that to flow through us, it's a lot easier to be humble. To be humble, we must firstly possess a healthy sense of self-worth and ability. So it's not a doormat picture, right? Self-worth because we are saved by faith through Christ, and ability is because we are empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. When um when the when the Bible asks us to clothe ourselves with humility, he did not leave us with um no information right jesus came down jesus is the ultimate example of that humility so let's read philippians 2 chapter uh, verses 5 to 8 let's read it together yeah can you all see okay good cuz i can't <laughs> <laughs> okay huh i it's a bit far all right, I have it on my notes. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a good thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. and being found in human form. He humbled himself and by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You know, this is such an important passage. So many, like countless theological uh, volumes and practical applications have been written um, from, you know, on this passage. Um, But when Paul writes this um, particular passage, um, he was addressing a very practical subject. How to get along with one another. (laughs) And he points to humility of Jesus as the antidote of, of of um you know all the interpersonal conflicts one, may ha- one we we may have as we, encar- we interact one another um as well as how to get along with one another Jesus moving from a place of deity to incarnation um, as the god man voluntarily the key word is voluntarily lowering himself from the highest position in the cosmic ever right as god to a baby born not in, this, in some grand palace somewhere, but in a stable, with no crib even, in a manger. A helpless babe, totally dependent on others. Now, I know we must have had heard that like a million times, right? But just take a moment. Take a moment to really reflect that. Like God coming down to become a helpless babe. And then Paul says that... Is humility. And that's also the message of Christmas. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus is servant hearted, right? And while on earth, he did one of the most iconic humil- like hum- like acts of humility by washing the feet of his disciples. And then later on, he trumped that by obediently dying on the cross to rescue undeserving sinners, as you and I, from God's righteous judgment. That definition of humility, a noble choice to forego our status, employ our resources, and use our influence for the good of others before ourselves, derived straight from the example Jesus has modelled for us. So in order to foster harmonious and Christ-like relationships and interactions as we meet up in person again, we need to internally grasp this in our mind and our heart, this being the humility modeled um, by Jesus, and then externally work it out in our behaviors and attitudes. So let's go to um, some practical points. Practically working it out. So, as a Pastor's wife, um, we—I've had the privilege, together with Chris, to really get into um, the lives of men, the personal lives of uh, many of you, um, and you know, had the pr- we've had the privilege to um, offer our um, wisdom into um, the situations that you may you may be struggling with. And then, um, one thing we've noticed is that. A lot of interpersonal conflicts um, and, and issues that arise stem from misunderstandings and genuine mistakes. Right. Um, for example, like a, a, a quick one, um, husband and wife. The wife may want comfort when they have an issue, but the husband very quickly rushed to give solution, right? It's just at the very base level of it. But a lot of it stems from, from we misunderstanding one another. And making genuine mistakes. So, one of the things that we can um, employ practically in helping us um, manage misunderstanding is this um, give benefit of the doubt. The first one. When we esteem others as higher, we think well of them and we give them the benefit of the doubt. Any information gaps we may have. This is particularly relevant, particularly relevant when we are in lockdown because we are mostly just communicating with each other via um, devices. A lot of information is lost. Now, but it's also relevant when we come back in person and we meet together, right? Even though we have more information because now we have the tone of voice, we have body language, we have facial expressions, still a lot of information is still lost, right? We've never been able to communicate to each other the whole 100% of the entire picture. So it's very natural for us when we talk to each other, we ourselves fill in the information gap in our head and form certain assumptions and conclusions, Um, And the assumptions and the conclusions we form, actually, are more telling of ourselves than the people that we make those assumptions and conclusions on. Um, For example, like, um, a prideful thought may fill it with um, prideful thoughts and assumptions, right? A person who are hurt may fill that with, um, like, a hurtful, self-deprecating thoughts and assumptions when they interact with one another, those information gaps. So when we, how do we give each other the benefit of the doubt? Um, we reflect on the info that we use to fill the communication gaps when we interact, when we interact with each other, both in person and via social media. Um, do we think well of them? Do, are we honouring and esteeming them as higher um, than ourselves? I'll just share, let's just share... Um, a simple experience I've had with Rachel, actually. Again, she's not here, so I can use her as, as an example. Um, the rule in my house is that if you're not here uh, in service on a Sunday, it's fair game. Yes, we can use you <laughs> in, in our sermon analogy. So this happened a very long time ago. She was three years old. Now she's 21. And she was wearing exactly that apron on that you know, that same house on that same bench. I was cutting mushrooms, getting ready for dinner. And then she was wearing that apron. And then she would come to me while I was cutting mushrooms on the chopping board. And her, she was so little, like three years old, now, but she would reach out and strain to pick up some mushroom for my chopping board. As I was chopping it, I would go, No, Rachel, because I was cutting and I was worried that I would really cut her hand. And then she would like grab one and then she would disappear for a little while. And then a few seconds later, she would come back and she would do the same thing again. Even though I said, No, Rachel, it's, it don't. And then she did that several times. And then I got really upset and I go, Rachel, stop. And I raised my voice and I scolded her. And if you knew Rachel from young, I never had to raise my voice. She was like, she was just like really easy, baby. She's really good, right? And then when I raised my voice and I scolded her, she was taken aback and she burst out crying. And then she said to me, um, no, I wasn't disobedient. I was just wanting to do what you were doing. And then when she said that, and I saw what she was doing, she had this like, apron on, right? And she was taking this mushroom from me, and she was running to her little table with um, a toy chopping board and a toy knife, and she was cutting mushroom. So she was not only not being disobedient, in fact, she wanted to do more. She wanted to emulate what I was doing. And when I saw that, I was taken aback. I was so filled with remorse. I felt so bad. Um, I immediately apologized to her. Now, um, that might be like a really simple occurrence, right? It might have happened in your home like 100, 200, a million times, right? But that left an indelible mark in my heart because I did not... Give her the benefit of the doubt I made an assumption about her I made a conclusion about her That was totally wrong, right? Even though she's just a little girl But I did that I put myself at a position As higher than her Of course, because I'm the mom I know better, right? And I immediately reacted wrongly Before I even try to understand or hear from her why she's doing that. I just immediately jumped to the conclusion, had the wrong assumption and scolded her when all she wanted to do was be obedient and more. Yeah, she wants to do what I was doing. She wants to copy me. Um, so, so that, up until now, you know when I was preparing for this and I was recalling this, I was still in tears. <laughs> because it left such an indelible mark in my heart. And, and, and serve till this day as a reminder for me to give others the benefit of doubt because when I communicate with you over our chat, or when I talk to you, sometimes, you know, I, I know for certain that I do not have all the information, yeah? And I have to feel the information in myself. And, and it reminds me to always, always Fill it with good, positive thoughts. And if I'm ever in doubt, then I would approach the person here from the horse's mouth and ask. And when I look at the person, um, I try to um, stop myself from making my own personal assumptions and take on as much as I can the eyes and the heart of Jesus. Because when God looks at us, He sees good things. When He looks at us, He sees all the things that's written about our lives and the plans and the purposes He has for us when He created us, yeah? And when we we interact with each other, I try to remind myself that the Holy Spirit is in person, in person through us. And how shall I interact with you and, and with you so that you are seeing and encountering as much of Jesus as you possibly can um, You know, I have failed A hundred, like countless times In this But I pick myself up and I keep trying And I just want to encourage you To keep doing that Give others the benefit of doubt It's actually not that hard to do um, It just requires us to be aware To be conscious, to take a pause When our mind is starting to feel all this If we just take a pause and go, hang on Wait a minute, what does Jesus think of this person? Yeah? Okay, number two, since we are um, in apology mode, develop a culture of apology. That's our point two. Can we have the slide to point two, please? I know Rachel's really cute, but we can move on. (laughs) You know, we're an Asian, but predominantly Asian church. um, And, you know, in Asian families, we've noticed apologizing to one another is very, very difficult It can be very, very difficult Um, I think that's because um, Asians are strongly ingrained in honour-shame culture Honour is seen as elevated position, lavish in praise and respect whereas sincere apology birthed out of humility can sometimes be seen in the light of humiliation the lowering of status and position, and like, you know, losing faith. So going back to Galatians 2.20, we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who live, but Christ lives through us. When we are crucified in Christ, we too crucify the culture from which we came from. And we take on, right, as we clothe ourselves with humility, we clothe ourselves with a new Jesus culture that is rooted in humility as we've read in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. And Jesus modeled that for us. Our own Messiah modeled that for us. Some might find it hard to apologize because they don't think they're wrong, which, you know, sometimes obviously that's the case. Most of the time, though, even though the other person may be at fault, both parties contribute to the breakdown of relationship, regardless of... Um, Who's at fault? Initiating sincere apology Even when you're not at fault Develop a culture of apology That in turn makes it easier For everyone to apologize It is the true test of humility in my opinion And as well as spiritual maturity Cool Okay, so I encourage all of you So if, if it's something that You find Um, You struggle with And then when you see apology In the light of humiliation I want to encourage you to look Instead of in the light of humiliation humiliation, To see in the light of humility Alright The next point Quick to listen Slow to speak Another way we can minimize misunderstanding Is by seeking first to listen and understand before we speak We've never been able to resolve interpersonal (laughs) conflicts by being the dominant voice No, never Neither has it been ever effective when we immediately fire back when someone is correcting us Never So when we hold someone in high um, regards, in a posture of humility, we want to wait to hear and understand what they have to say. The side of the story, a humble person realises there's a limit to what he or she understands about an issue or a situation and seeks out other perspectives. Um, You know, it's always something to learn even in the face of disagreements. And um, lastly, I want to end with this. I don't think Adam and Eve intentionally doom all future generations to a life of sins, sicknesses, and eternal death. They… I I, I don't think so, right? I'm sure they did not fully comprehend the depth of their consequences or the extent of their ramifications when they took a bite of the forbidden fruit. The mistake destroyed the relationship between God and His created beings As well as the ongoing relationships amongst, like us, his children of God, because of sin, like conflicts and interpersonal, like uh, issues, all come on, all birth as a result of that one bite, one act of disobedience. Similarly, when the people in our life, the people in the same household of faith, make a mistake, most of the time they do not fully. Um, grasp the depth of the consequences, nor the extent of the ramifications. Um, And, you know, the kind of damage it could have done to not just themselves, but to the people around them, to to the people they love. Um, As a result, relationships are broken, trust eroded. How did God redeem that damaged relationship brought about by Adam and Eve's sin? He voluntarily Forsook his uppermost status and lowered himself in humility, to initiate, initiate the reconciliation of the broken relationship between God and man and as a result, between um, his people and his children. He extended grace in the same manner we too can follow the example Jesus has shown. It doesn't matter whether you're in the side of being wronged, or you're in the, on the side of um, the one in the wrong. Yeah, we can. Someone needs to initiate, and I would put to you that the person who is more mature spiritually, the person who has um, greater understanding, has got a bigger heart, greater understanding of what humility of Jesus truly is, should be the one initiating. They are the the the, the, the person initiating that. Are we um, able to? Voluntarily, in humility, lowering ourselves from the high places of I'm not in the wrong, I know more than you, you are outdated and irrelevant, I'm your elder, you should honor me, you've hurt me, so I have the right to retaliate. All those are high positions that we take in our interpersonal relations with one another, in our interpersonal conflicts with one another. Are we able to voluntarily lower ourselves from those high places? and make a noble choice to extend grace for the good of others and for the reconciling of relationships. You know, when we insist on that, those kind of rights, when we insist of um, standing on that higher platform because it's our right, it, it will come at a price. You know, We may win the battle of being right, but we're going to lose the war of loving one another. John thirteen thirty five. I didn't have that on the slide. Um, John thirteen thirty five. He says that, you know, um, love one another. A new new commandment I've given you: love one another. And then others will know that you are my disciple when you love one another. When we clothe ourselves in humility, when we take on and emulate the model that Jesus has set for us. It's like when, when a, a student put on their school uniform, you know, um, others see, and they see the school, and they're supposed to know the value of the school. And when, we, when we put on humility as demonstrated by Christ, others see how we love one another, how we extend grace, and, they will then, and, and then they will see that, we are his disciples and that we can conduct ourselves and walk in a manner worthy of him that's from Colossians okay um, right. (laughs) I'd like to pray for you before I pass the time back to Roger so um, if God If the Holy Spirit is at all stirring in your heart in any way regarding humility, regarding extending of grace, regarding lowering yourself, regarding um, standing up for your own rights so that you can be right or want to be right in any way, or if you um, find it hard to apologize, like to your children, to your in-laws, to your uh to, to your employees yeah uh, i encourage you to put your hand on your heart and i'll just pray an an, an overall prayer for everyone and then um and we gonna get get you to come out and um for uh personal prayers if, if needed father i want to thank you lord god for it's such a privilege to be carriers of your presence I want to thank you, Lord God, that Jesus um, has modelled for us, Lord, what it is um, like to be humble, what true humility really is. And I want to thank you, Father God, because you've given us the grace, Lord, to be able to emulate that example, Father. I pray, Father God, that we will all put on humility, Father God. Lord, we come humbly before you and ask you to forgive us, Father. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us um, the courage, Father God, the courage and the humility, Father God, to walk in a manner worthy of You, Father. And I pray, Father God, that we will walk as ambassadors for Christ, Father God. Clothe ourselves with humility as we interact with one another, Lord God. That we will be a great testimony to You, Father. God, That everyone will see that we love one another and know that we are of You, Father God. I pray, Father God, that wherever we go, Lord God, we will be salt and light, Lord God, just as you've called us to be, Father. And I pray a prayer of blessing over our church, Father God. Lord God, you continue to unite us, Father, that as we learn to humble ourselves before you and, and take on humility with one another, Lord God, you bring unity, Lord God, unity, Father God, to our church, Father God, because you have amazing things that you've planned for us, to the bo- for the body of Christ, Father God, and I pray, Father God, we will continue to be the salt and the light um, in the community that you you've You've, you put us in, Father God. i want to commit that to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mayan. Let's just give Mayan a hand. I think. That's a word in season, yeah? It's a word in season. You know, these are one of this is one of those sermons easy to uh,